Hello and welcome to Reggie'sTake.com podcast number one. I'm your host and creator of Reggie'sTake.com. I am Reggie, and as much as I'd like to think I brought sexy back, I'll have to leave that to t- Justin Timberlake. No comments, please. But, but, <laughs> but, oh, but uh, joining me today is a friend of Reggie'sTake.com, Steve. Thanks for agreeing to come on. Hey, you know, appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity to come on here. And I know you may be the one thinking you brought sexy back, but see, I'm the one that took it. So that's why somebody had to bring it back because I took it. Ah, Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, anyone who followed my, uh, follows my blog on a regular basis, you know, I put out a teaser podcast a couple weeks ago and uh, today's topic is those robots in disguise. Transformers. Yay. (laughs) That's right. Transformers. Uh, my God, Transformers have a long history from what, basically 1983 through, well, today, today, yeah, it's still continuing. Uh, The robots, they run on electricity. They don't necessarily have the short lifespan that we do. No. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. No, and I'm sure they don't have to go lubricate every, every three hours either, so. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's their personal business and, uh, you know, it, it, when and if that comes up, we'll just ask, you know, Uh like, hey. You know, what you do on your own yeah. time is your own thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I'm mis- not mistaken, Transformers came up, came around in 1983 or so. Yeah, sounds about right. When Hasbro went to the Tokyo Toy Show over in Japan. Imagine that, Tokyo's in Japan. And uh, went looking for toys they could bring back to the United States. Yeah. Lucky for them, they actually found some. Transforming Robots. Uh, yeah, and who would have thought that would have taken off? I mean, in the concept of being able to build something like that as a toy and make it successful, that would be, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty mind-blowing in and of itself. You know, you can think of it like, oh, yeah, that's easy to do on, on animation or in a movie or whatever have you. Oh, wow, here's, here's something you can actually play with and do this with. <laughs> you know, I mean, so right. in the concept of that, that's a... Uh, and that was unique and pretty, pretty awesome at the time. And uh, in my research for all this, I discovered that uh, Hasbro went back and they've, according to what I found, they had already had a working relationship with Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Marvel Comics had already done kind of their storyline off the toys that Hasbro had of G.I. Joe, um, which is... Also kind of still continuing nowadays, mm-hmm, um, yeah. but that's a whole nother... It's for another podcast. Yes, that is. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but Marvel basically created the overall backstory, the names, the profiles and for the, uh, the transforming yeah. toys. Yeah, somehow uh, I'm surprised we've never seen Stan Lee doing anything with this, considering it's Marvel. I mean, even though he didn't create he it. Did, he didn't create, so yeah. It's, but still, you, you just had to have thought somewhere in there, Stan Lee's name has to be written like an Easter It's like almost like going on an Easter egg, kind of like, okay, where's Stan Lee at? Where's Stan Lee at? Oh. Or, or maybe because of it was created as a toy first. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, it was the 80s. So, I mean, it, the whole concept was is how, do we sell, how do we sell a bazillion toys and what kind of tie-in can we do? And the best thing they came up with, we'll just make cartoons out of it. Right. And then you know we'll we'll shell the, we'll you know we'll shell a whole bunch of toys in the middle for commercials. <laughs> I mean, uh, you watch any episode of Transformers, and it's a, it's a thirty-minute commercial for a toy. I mean, it straight up is. Oh and, yeah. And anybody who tries to tell you something different, yeah, they're lying to themselves and to you. Well, in 1983, I mean, I was 
I was only 12 years old, so I mean. Yeah, was, I won't tell you how old I was in 83. <laughs> that was getting to the point of, you know, watching cartoons like that was kind of, you know, you didn't want to be acknowledging you were watching them, but in the same sense, it's like no one's around. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, well, especially after school. Yeah. Well, you know, because that's, that's when I watched them. Is you know, I came home from school. Well, that's and, that's, uh, that's boom, when you can find cartoons after school. <laughs> Nowadays, you go home and you find Oprah or Phil or or Doctor Phil or. <laughs> yeah. I, you just don't find cartoons anymore on TV. Bring back cartoons, man. Yeah. That's what I say. Bring back afternoon after school cartoons. So. Like, remember the old USA Cartoon Express? I don't know if you remember that or not. You might be a little bit too old for that. But it used to be, that was the thing they did on USA from like two until like five. And you go, you get off school and they just played cartoons, man. And it was awesome. Uh, I, yeah, I can remember, well, I can remember when you go home from school and you could find Scooby-Doo, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny. And they didn't worry about what you thought because the Roadrunner went off, made the coyote fall off the damn cliff and kill himself 15 times either. I hey, mean, we can't talk about that. That's violence. And we don't talk about violence anymore because that's bad. No, but robots killing other robots oh, they, they cool. never kill anybody would you believe that nobody got killed in that show until the movie the 86 movie yeah we'll get there we'll get there <clears throat> um, everybody got, that's not to say they didn't get hit and they didn't get blown up yeah but uh well and uh when yeah. marvel did their thing marvel came up with the idea <coughs> for autobots and decepticons mm-hmm. now decepticons led by megatron now if i remember right megatron was a gun yeah. Transformed into a gun, and, and who was it that carried him around as a, in a gun form? Oh, it, it could have been anybody depending on the episode, but primarily if you're going to see him being handled in his alt form, that you'd usually find Starscream, maybe Shockwave, but there, there are plenty of episodes out there where you'll find Optimus Prime, the leader of the Autobots, using him as a, as a weapon for whatever reason to, <laughs> to save all of everybody involved. And then, of course, you got the leader of the Autobots, Optimus Prime, which, okay. uh, which we'll get to a little bit here later. But his voice is, to me, is the guy who does his voice, Peter Cullen. Yeah. Uh, Golden. Uh, you know, that's a voice that you, you, you can't miss yeah. doing other things. And I know he's got a long list of, yeah. of, yeah. Who would of have credits of doing other things. He even, he's even done, um, uh, it was an Eeyore. Yeah, and say, so who would have thought that? Who would have thought that, you know, you're watching Winnie the Pooh and the guy's going, thanks for noticing me. You can, 30 minutes later, you switch over to Transformers, Autobots, roll out. And it's the same guy, you yeah. know, I mean, who would have thought that? Yeah. <laughs> he also does the voice of Ironhide on the car, in the original cartoon also. So how weird would that be if you're in the, in the voice studio and you're having a conversation? Well, no, no worse than what uh, 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 Seth MacFarlane does on Family I Life. know, but it's still kind of funny in the concept of what are you doing? Well, I'm having a conversation with myself today. Okay, well, most people would probably sit back and think, should we call the asylum or, you know, what should we do? Get the white jackets. Get the white jackets, that's right. Yes, because but yeah, but in the, in, in the world of voiceovers, I'm sure he doesn't care. Oh, no, no, yeah, because sure. I just hope he got paid individually for each voice. Yeah. <laughs> I went paid by the voice. That's right, paid by the character. That's um, what's up. Now, if I, if I understand right, the original premise was um, they were living on the planet called Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Uh, a civil war had waged on for years and years and years Millions and years. Of years yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, it came to the point where Cybertron, basically, both sides were just scavenging for supplies and energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Autobots decide to leave Cybertron. The Decepticons follow. Mm-hmm. 
Gee, yeah. I wonder uh, why. Otherwise, you don't have a plot. Uh, the Decepticons board the Autobot ship. A battle breaks out, and the ship crashes onto a prehistoric Earth, knocking everyone unconscious. Yep. Now, how can a robot get knocked unconscious? It's electronic. Everything gets a glitch. If I drop your phone, do you think it's going <laughs> to oh, like that I, too much? I know. It, it had Microsoft stuff. Um, so <laughs> wow. <laughs> Apparently, Autobots and Decepticons were built by Bill Gates, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Should have gone with Apple, guys. Um, millions, yes. of, and that's no endorsement fruit, for anyone. The death fruit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, if they'd gone, if they'd gone with a Linux-based system, they'd been just, they'd been just fine. But no. And yeah, Sheldon would have been happy. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> millions of years later, uh, uh, the dormant volcano where the ship had crashed uh, becomes active. An eruption resets the ship's computer. Now mm. I like to know how a volcano re eruption resets a computer, but uh, Acme if you start plot hole. if you start uh, analyzing everything, then you pretty Acme much Acme plot hole. Yeah, um, uh, the computer learns that the planet is inhabited, and in order to survive, the computer both repairs the disabled transformers, reconfigures them, so they may um, travel amongst the Earth because they're not sure if humans are friendly or not. Yeah. Um, Computer's name is Teletran One, by the way. See, that's something I did not know. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched. Voiced the, by. Casey Kasem. Shaggy himself, hey. Who also does the voice of Cliff Jumper. Of course, then again, Casey Kasem, you know, pretty much yeah. you, any, any cartoons from the late 60s through yeah. probably mid 80s. Or Him later. and Frank Welker. And Frank, well, who also does the voice of Megatron. But that's a whole other story, I guess, where it's just a matter of having, <laughs> you know, like, who did this voice? Uh, <laughs> Joe. Joe did the voice. That is correct. Uh. <laughs> well, Casey Kasem's, I mean, he, he's probably more synonymous with, with Shaggy from Scooby-Doo than, than true. probably more than anything. Like, wow, man. <laughs> Zoinks. Uh, uh, the, uh, now, the Transformers debuted with their pilot slash miniseries mm -hmm. in September of 1984, and it was called More Than Meets the Eye. Yeah, now, this, it was originally just a miniseries, but when, uh, I'm a guessing when the, um, they went on, with a more of a series, they because it was I think there was a year in between. Well, I'm not quite sure about that actually. I, I guess I, I didn't do it. Uh, to find see, that I've, out. I've got that somewhere around here. But uh, anyway, uh, anyway, it became basically more than MCI became besides the miniseries became the pilot for the because they chopped yeah. it up into more episodes. Yeah, basically. it's uh, it's three episodes long. So uh, uh, and this and and during that miniseries they introduced Optimus Prime, Braun. Blue Streak, Bumblebee, Cliffjumper, Gears, Hound, Huffer, Ironhide, Jazz, Mirage, Prowl, Ratchet, Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, Tailbreaker, Wheeljack, Windcharger, and Hauler. Yep. I feel like I just was on the CB talking for half a minute. Um, yeah, and whoever comes up with these names, I mean, I, re I realize who came, but like in the grand concept of you're on in like involved in this, like your name is Cliffjumper. But, but what you, if you're afraid of heights, man? Well, I'm sure the guy never really jumped cliffs either. He does. Oh, he does. So. He does. But I'm just saying, the concept of like, you know, like, where do you come up with like Bumblebee? You never see him fly, but yet. I, I wonder if they came up with Bumblebee because they, they, he was originally in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a, bug. a, a Volkswagen bug. Yeah. So well, I'm just saying that it's, you know, who, who, who comes up with the names? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, your name is this. Really? Okay. Why? <laughs> now, Why can't my name be Joe? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the interesting fact I found is Holler was only seen in vehicle mode during the miniseries, had no dialogue whatsoever, 
and was never seen again in the animated series. That sounds right because I can't remember. I can't remember him at all. Hardly. They must have decided either a they didn't write enough backstory for him, or or or, or, or whatever the case may be, and decided well we just don't need him. Yeah. Bye bye. Well, you know, and I, I suspect, and this seem, and this was kind of the recurring thing was get the toy out, get make get the show out to to promote showcase the, the toy, promote the toys, to showcase the toy. Now. Hauler is, yeah, you know, you already had a, you already had a, had a semi truck in Optimus Prime, and you already had another one in uh, Gears is a truck, Hound is a is a uh, now was Ironhide Iron Ironhide a truck? I don't remember. Ironhide because Ironhide they have him as a big four by four in the yeah. movies. It's funny he's a he's a minivan, <laughs> he's a minivan, but he sp- he sports a mean mohawk. Like a Mr. T, almost. It's well, it's more like a like a Trojan kind of. He's got like a Trojan helmet mohawk kind of thing going on. He looks like he could have been the mascot <laughs> for the USC Trojans, but but then you also have uh, Huffer. Huffer's also a semi truck. So the, yeah, you probably it's just probably overkill with the uh, trucks. The trucks, and they're like, let's move on with something no, else. Different. Uh, and of course, with the Decepticons, you we meet Megatron, Starscream, Skywarp, Thundercracker, Reflector, Soundwave, Laserbreak, Ravage. Rumble and Shockwave, mm-hmm. and you know that and that was short-lived with that because they they quickly escalated them. You'll find you know that a lot of them were just you'll find a lot of the characters that the Decepticons are the same, just a different paint color in terms of like phys- physically physical appearance. Like Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker are all the same body. They just different paint, paint scheme, scheme, different paint scheme, all, along with a, a character now, named Acid Storm. They're all. Now, something when I went and saw the first Transformer movie in 2007, uh-huh. they had a Decepticon as a police car. Uh-huh. Now, I don't remember because it's been so long since I've watched the animated series. Was there a Decepticon that actually was a vehicle, or were they all flying? Oh, no. No, they had... Uh, in, in, the, a, in the original miniseries, were they well, all flying? In the original miniseries or the original series itself? Uh, just a miniseries for right now. The miniseries, no. No, no. The original miniseries, no. They didn't have a... They didn't have anything like that. They were all, for the most part, they were all jets. Um, some sort of flying vehicle. Some sort of flying, well, except for Reflector. Reflector was actually three uh, Decepticons that merged into one camera. And <laughs> you got a gun and a camera. And then uh, Laserbeak, Ravage, or yeah, Laserbeak, Ravage, Rump, and Rumble were all cassettes that would fit inside Soundwave's chest. Mm-hmm. And he would just hit his eject button and deploy these mini Decepticons to gotcha. raise havoc. Shockwave, on the other hand, funny story, he's also a gun. So the Decepticons have two guns, or their, their characters transform into guns. Shockwave is much bigger than, than Megatron, though, usually in, when he's firing. So it's kind of, a, kind of an interesting. <laughs> now, I, I, what I found interesting was when I was going back looking through the miniseries and actually the series themselves, that the human characters' names now the, the the main son and father are still last name Wiki, mm-hmm. but I mean their first names Spike and Sparkplug. Yeah, I okay. mean I think of Spike, I think of the dog on Tom and Jerry. Not, there you go. Not 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 a kid who's going to be, you know, fighting you know evil robots with. Yeah, I know. You know. I, I mean, yeah. Who would who would have guessed that? You know, and that goes back to the. This naming thing, and I, I, I'm so you know, a lot of people want to bash on the, the Michael Bay movies for this reason and that reason, but come on now, had you have seen the movie and his name was actually Spike, Spike, 
or, or and his it dad was named been, Sparkplug. You wouldn't have been. been, a, been a, that would have been. I, I think I would have been too busy laughing in order to actually pay attention. Would have been to, taken seriously to pay attention to all the Michael Bay explosions. Or, 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 or they would have thought, okay, they're not taking this seriously. They just yeah. they're tongue and cheeking it. And yeah, and I, that would have been probably the death of it right there. Yeah, that would have been a real slap in the face towards it. And they also had, and I, I did not know this or do not remember, but they had a paraplegic computer whiz kid mm -hmm. named Chip Chase. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and Chip was a certifiable genius. In fact, the, you, you're you're negating one, and she doesn't show up until probably middle of the middle of the first season. And uh, you may remember her from the third movie, Carly. Right. The that was the blonde in the third yeah. movie, correct? And which is funny because in the cartoon she was a certifiable genius who was getting ready to go to MIT, as opposed to the Michael Bay version who's just. Look at me, I'm pretty, look at me. <laughs> now, uh, I'm a Victoria's Secret mom. Now, even with the miniseries, uh, season one, if I read right, had a total of 13 episodes they did. Yeah. Now, they put out season two, and season two actually had 49 episodes. Yeah, and, then, and that, makes, that sounds about right. And because their reasoning for putting out so many episodes in season two is they wanted to get it into syndication and not just have it disappear. Yeah. Because, you know, you get it into syndication, and that's where the money's at. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's the 80s. What, what's the 80s all about? Making money. money. Well, same, same as today. Well, but, yeah. But, Have you yeah. seen the clothes out today? It's just like the 80s, man. Day glow for everybody. Well, you know, come, <laughs> come another five years, everything from the 90s will be back in trend again. Uh, I'll, so. dig out, I'll be able to dig out my grungy flannel shirts if I can fit into them. Now, um, now the Transformer movie, which I have never seen. You should and, check it out. And... Uh, that's at my own fault. Uh, the Transformer movie was released in 1986. Mm -hmm. Now, the movie did introduce new characters on both sides. Yep. But they introduced more Autobots than they did Decepticons. Yeah. And, you know, and the best reason for that is probably because you knew those were going to sell better. Right. The good guys. Yeah. And they introduced, in the movie, Hot Rod, Cup, I guess. Is that? Yeah, Cup. Yeah. Cup, Blur. RC. RC, Springer. Ultra Magnus, Redgar, Redgar and, and Wheelie. Yeah. And then on the auto, on the Decepticon side, they only introduced a total of, of uh, really one, Ratbat, which was yeah. Soundwave's new minion. Yeah. So. And the reason for that is, and there's a good reason for that, because in the, by the end of Season 2, um, they had introduced a lot of Decepticon uh, vehicles and, and uh, characters. So uh, in my opinion, it was probably a, more of a chance to balance things out because by the end of season two, you had um, a lot of sub-factions that they had, they had developed. You, uh, you had your, your Stunticons, your uh, uh, Combaticons, you had your, uh, uh, the Insecticons, you had uh, uh, the, con the Constructicons, and they had uh, another one, and then the name escapes me, but a lot of those could merge into specific larger robots like the constructicons all six of them would merge into a much much more enormous robot named devastator right which you saw in the movie yeah you see and devastator's the only is the only gestalt or combiner robot you'll see in the movie um but you'll see but you know throughout the rest of throughout the rest of season two though you'll see the the uh combaticons which uh form minasaur i believe and you have the uh, stunt, no, you have the stunt, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, having, I'm having a space case attack here. Guess, uh, guess I've just been. Uh, you get one of those things from uh, Megatron going through your brain right yeah, now? Yeah, that's right, yeah. That I, all of a sudden I feel not so smart. Now, even though I did not see the movie, I did read where 
the movie featured quite a few characters dying in this movie. Yep. Now, there was Brawn, Ironhide, Ratchet, Wheeljack, Windcharger, Prowl, and Starscream, and of course, the, probably the biggest one was Optimus Prime, were all killed off, or at least, I don't want to say technically killed off, but at least Deactivated. left you, <laughs> at least by the end of the movie, they left them for dead uh -huh. uh, by the end of that movie. And uh, now when I saw that as a, by the time that movie came out, I would have been 15. Um, when I saw that they were killing off Prime, you know, I hadn't really seen much more than probably about season one and half of season two. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh my God, why would you do that? Well, but, I can tell you why they did that. But, uh, but I never saw the movie, so. <laughs> I, can, I, can tell you why the, I can tell you why they did that. The reason why they did that is because Optimus Prime wasn't selling very well at the time. And when the toy started, when he, st when he started to wane off, they figured this would be a good time to introduce these new characters, try and build them up. And, and if you kill off Optimus Prime, maybe yeah. it'll drive him back up a right. little bit in sales because, oh my God, he's a dead character now. Right. And, and that's kind of, that's actually what ended up happening later on in that series was they realized that, hey, we, uh, we made a mistake. We're sorry. We got this. Don't worry. We're going to figure this one out. And so <laughs> they, they tried to, tried to make up for it. Now, now, by the end of that movie, Hot Rod uses the Matrix of Leisureship, mm -hmm. destroys Uni Unicron. Unicron. Save Cybertron and becomes Robimus Prime, the new leader of the Autobots. Yep, yeah, sounds right. <coughs> now, Unicron, though, not really a Decepticon, not really a... But he's, he's bad. He's bad. And, I mean, you're talking about a, a robot that transforms into a planet. So Doesn't it, the movie open with that? From yeah, what little, I, yeah, what little it I found on YouTube. Yeah, it opens that. with it, and um, it shows him eating a planet. Basically, if, you, if you're not familiar with, with Unicron, imagine the, the, uh, the Death Star from Star Wars with a personality. <laughs> and In fact, if you kind of look at it, it does kind of have a Death Star kind of look to it. It's not gray, uh -huh. but it does have an opening in the front where um, he can shoot out an energy pulse beam, or in some cases he can just eat the planet in front of him, kind of like a monster caterpillar. But Monster Pac-Man? Yeah, well, yeah, because he's kind of yellow, so yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, now the the movie also introduced an adult Spike and his son Daniel. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm sure you probably know this because I I know I don't. But what made them advance Spike from 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 basically uh, I'm assuming well as a teenager that I remember yeah. to an adult with having a kid. I mean, did well, they jump they, that far forward? In, yeah. In what the time? they what they did is is that you know, and in fact, when it opens up. Um, uh, it actually, when they get past the, the opening credits and they show, they introduce Unicron, they get past the opening credits, they actually show Earth and Earth is gone from 1984 to 2005. So it's, yeah, it's jumped, it's jumped way ahead in, in the timeline. So when you come back, when you came to see it, then you were actually looking at way into the future, well, what would be into our future. Right. You know, and it's got some interesting little tidbits. If you, if you actually sit there and watch the movie, there's some things that you wouldn't believe that they actually hit on first before a couple of other movies that are more famous for some of the things that they've done. There's a there's a scene in the movie where uh, uh, Daniel gets gets suspiciously on a on a flying skateboard. Hmm. Yeah, it gets on. Sounds a, familiar. Yeah, get, yeah, and that's four years before Back to the Future Two, mind you. That's four years or three years, three years before Back to the Future Two. A few years before uh, 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 Marty McFly takes a ride on one. Huh? Yeah. On, so on I his mean, hoverboard. Yeah. So you know, there's you look at it and you're like, really. 
<laughs> so you can do so, really, and it's like, oh, they stole that. No, I think it's pretty sure it's the other way. But now, um, after the movie, they debuted season three in September of 1986, mm -hmm. and season three picks up right where the movie leaves off. Yep, with Unicron's head floating around Cybertron like a moon. Now, season three was 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 the, actually the last season that the U.S. and Japan versions shared the same storyline continuity yeah from um, what i read now yeah, i have know nothing about the japanese version and the japanese version i you know i've i tried to watch a couple episodes on on online and considering there's no there's no english dub of it i had no idea what was going on <laughs> and and you know i know that the continuity has nothing to do with it so with what they have and and the the animation styles becomes different so it's just a now it's just a different show now now at the end of season three in their two-part season finale, they did bring back Optimus Prime. Yes. And season four was basically only consisted of a three-part storyline. Yes. And Target then, Masters and Headmasters. And then uh, because by this point, Hasbro had pretty much lost, lost interest, and they were, as for, from what I saw, well, basically were looking to put their money elsewhere. Yeah, well, you know, so that's basically it what it boils down been to. There, been there, done that type of thing, yeah, move I mean, on to the next project. Those ki the kids that grew up watching it had grown up and moved on to something else. Right. And, and then season, season five, there was technically a season five, but it was nothing more than 15 of the best episodes from the original series and the movies. Uh, the, yeah. uh, the movie, the animated movie, not the uh, Michael Pay movies. <laughs> they before. just broke it down and, right, and they shipped just broke it around and then and the movie was edited down to five episodes. Yeah. Funny story about the movie, depending on, if, you know, if you went to see it in the theater, you never would have heard it, but it does have one cuss word in, the, in that movie. And it's so funny because you never would have expected to see a children's movie drop an S-bomb in the middle of it. I mean, now, the, now the perfect that? timing for it, I'm not going to... I'm not Kind of kind of like data at the end of in Generations, Star Trek Generations, where the saucer section starts heading down to the planet, yeah. and, and data with this new emotion ship just all of a sudden goes, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what, what uh, Spidey's like. They blow, up the, they blow up an entire moon thing, and they're going to stop Unicron, and they look back, and they don't see it, and it's like, they're like, oh, shit. What are we going to do now? Yeah. You know, it's like... It's like it didn't even make a dent in it. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd freak out too. So, well, what did he do? Well, we blew up a moon, and that didn't do anything. <laughs> now, uh, Today's a good day to go ahead and just run for your lives. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Transformers has, as they've broken it down into, quote, different generations and stuff, um, uh, they consider the original to be Generation 1, yeah. which technically ended in 1993. And then Hasbro went on to Generation 2 in 93. And that was basically nothing more than a 12-issue comic series by Marvel um, that uh, reveals that the Transformers originally bred asexually. That's something I probably could have not... Yeah, I could have done I, 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 done I find that kind of weird because I don't think that was a... At any given point in time, was that a necessary to put in there? Yeah, because I don't like I don't like that because who cares? Well, no, sense. I don't like that because of the fact of it was explained once before in the in the original cartoon as to how they were brought about. Uh -huh. The Decepticons were built to be guardians of Cybertron. The Autobots were designed to be worker bees to work for a a secondary group of characters that you found in the beginning in the cartoon movie 
and then working its way through seasons three and four called the Quintessons, which were these little floating head things with five faces. And they were the actual creators of the Autobots and the Decepticons. And as time evolved over you know a billion years, you know, they decided they both uh, factions, the Decepticons and the Autobots, developed uh, a sentient kind of knowledge of of how they, of what they were, and then they, they grew from grew from within within themselves. So that whole when I when I read that and I hear about that, I'm not I'm never a big fan of that because I don't like changing continuity just because you you feel like you have a need because to because you can yeah. Um, and then now there's the Beast Wars. Now this I didn't know existed. Now this is yeah I was a big a four, fan of it for four years period from '96 to 2000 was the Beast Wars, and this uh, these basically they created a new set of Autobots led mm -hmm. by. Optimus Primal. Yeah, which was a, uh, a gorilla, <laughs> if I remember right. Uh, I don't know how much you know about this. this Not seems, much. This um, seemed, seemed like a... Uh, uh, the Predacon uh, line, though, and that's, what I, and that's kind of what turned me off with it was the fact that, A, I didn't want to see robots changing into animals. That just seemed silly to me. But the Predacons um, actually are a, sub called, a subgroup from the original series. And they would merge into a larger robot called Predaking. But, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of it, and I tried to, I tried, I was, you know, 96 to 2000. I was kind of busy being a teenager, and I was chasing more things than, than robots. And we won't go into that. In well, also, 99, I was, I had joined the military, so I, it's not like I had a whole huge chance to really get into it. Yeah, you know, they, they frowned upon watching TV when you're in basic training. Uh, you might go and shooting something. Uh, hold on, show's yeah. on. You, you got might, about you three might, seconds to move your. Yeah, you got to. You might piss off a few generals or sergeants, depending on. Sergeants, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, more power to you for joining the military. So uh, yeah, and then there was another Dreamwave Productions from 2001 to 2005 began. Uh, some new comics adapted from Marvel included elements from the animated series. Mm -hmm. But they also kind of, I think, basically did their own own thing as well. Yeah, uh, they it's, did. And it's I, another one of those things that I just, I never really, I didn't know it even existed, you know, in the in the uh, just Transformer world. And as far as I knew, after the uh, the original series ended after in the movie animated movie, you know, they didn't do much with them until you know they decided to go, ooh, let's put them on the big screen. Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, desire, and they, I mean, you know, people had moved on from from them to move on to other things that, you know, attracted kids, but, you know, they never really went away. They just kind of got on the back burner and just kind of hung out. So, I think Hasbro, it was just kind of Marvel and Hasbro's way of trying to keep them yeah. out there without trying to... Yeah, and you know, there's probably more to it than that. There's probably some legal ramifications dealing with Sunbow and, and the companies that were all involved in this at the time. Because, I mean, I mean I'm... I'm I'm pretty sure Marvel doesn't have a doesn't have a, a real stake in, in the Transformers franchise as it's it more, is today. Probably more Hasbro. Has it, more yeah, stake. Hasbro pretty much owns Has owns more. a lock, stock, and barrel. Now, now we come to 2007, and we come to a little-known movie called Transformers. Yeah, that's and little. It, Nobody's seen that. And, uh, the the you know I <laughs> probably didn't do very well. Uh, now it was released in July. That's a girl in there too named Megan Fox. And yeah, I mean I don't know why anybody. I, I yeah I don't know why anyone was going to go see that for. <laughs> but um, there was a director who turned down the film because they thought it was a stupid toy movie. Let me guess. Did Spielberg turn it down? No, Michael Bay. Michael Bay turned it down because he thought it was a toy toy movie. But he, his mind was changed because he decided he actually had been wanting to work with Steven Spielberg. And being that Michael Bay was also a car buff, the idea of sentient cars began to interest him. Yeah. And you know what? That movie hit about the right time, too, because 
Had it hit about a year later, we probably wouldn't have had that movie, quite frankly. And, and, and he said that he later admitted that not being a Transformer fan proved to be a blessing, his words, as it enabled him to introduce the saga to other non-fans. Yeah. Now, yeah. I can tell you that my wife knew nothing about the animated series, the animated movie, mm -hmm. didn't really even know what they were. When she went to the movie with me, mm -hmm. she was able to follow the movie, follow the storyline, and she was not lost. That's good. I mean, well, so so in a certain Michael sense, Bay movies aren't exactly the most in depth, right? But Michael Bay aside, yeah, they they obviously did it enough to where if you weren't a fan of the original, yeah. animated series or never seen him, or you were locked in a cave during the '80s or just weren't yeah. around in the '80s and you didn't know what Transformer were, you could go see the movie and go, I get oh, it. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, assuming you liked the movie. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Assuming you liked the movie. Now, I'm guessing most, most girls who saw it got dragged there by either A, their, girl, their boyfriends, <laughs> or, or husbands. I guess there could be some girls that hey, dragged their girlfriends. My wife there. wanted to go see it, so I was okay with that. Of course, I got, a, I got a good wife. My wife's the kind of wife that would get mad at me for not playing a video game. So, <laughs> but uh, yes, that yes, to all, all listeners, be jealous. I have a wife that insists I play video games. Mm, do we need to get her on here to rebuff that? or? No, no, yeah. she won't rebuff. She'll... Okay. she'll well, I will take your word for it. Okay. Uh, now, that movie stars Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox, Josh Duhamel, Tyrese Gibson, and John Turturro, mm -hmm. which I kind of thought his character was kind of the funny, uh, kind of was more, even though it wasn't technically a comic relief, you have to admit, most of the laughs come, come at his expense. Well, Turturro's a funny guy, though, so it works. I mean, that S on his T-shirt in that movie. No, yeah, the Sector 7. <laughs> well, the drawers, that's why I was like, wow, <laughs> this, is, this is where we've gone with this. Awesome. Now... Uh, what was the biggest difference from you from the movie from what you saw in the animated series? Well, the the one that probably sticks out the most, obviously, is the design of the design of the vehicles. You have um, like Optimus Prime in the, the original series was, was, a, cab a, was a cab over truck, and this time he's a he's a conventional style truck. But the one that everybody you know immediately remembers will, that we'll draw draw comparisons to is, is Bumblebee. Bumblebee. And you know Bumblebee in this one was the brand new Camaro. Right. Nobody had ever. I mean, people had seen pictures of it, but this is the first time they'd actually seen this thing moving and working. Right. And this is why I say that if this movie came out a year later. This movie wouldn't have came out at all because. General Motors put a ton of money into this movie to promote all the vehicles that were in it. Right, because most of the vehicles are GM. Based. Oh, yeah, all, except, yeah, all the Autobots it, are GM. Except for the Optimus Prime. Except for Optimus Prime, yeah. Except for Optimus Prime, all those vehicles are GM vehicles. Had that movie came out a year later, they wouldn't have been able to finance it. And they actually took a lot of flack for it in, in the, when the second movie came out because they still put a lot of money into it to make it one big Chevy commercial, which was fine <laughs> by me. But I don't know if any of the guys who are going there to watch it for the action really paid that much attention. Oh, look, it's all it's all Chevy products. Well, but you, I know I didn't initially. Well, you, uh, so you know you can go out and buy a an Autobot Bumblebee edition uh, Camaro. It's black with or it's gold with or yellow with black stripes and it comes with Autobot emblems and the sill plate say Transformers on it. I mean, it is decked out and it's pretty sweet. So, I'm yeah, sure they, it also costs a pretty penny too. I didn't say it was cheap. I just said it I just said it was available. It's out there. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, there's a scene in the movie where you have and, and I thought this was a great homage to the original Bumblebee when uh, Bumblebee, who at, at the beginning of the movie is actually a 77 Camaro, not, a, not an 08 or an 09. He actually comes in there and he kind of pulls in into this car dealership looking for Sam Witwicky, 
right who was at, off to get his very first car and they were looking at a yellow bump uh ye yellow bug which was you know, a, a wink and a nod to the original cartoon right and then you find you know and then you you know he's sitting there trying to the car salesman's trying to sell sam on you know let's buy this bug you know buy this bug buy this bug and the camaro and the, and the camaro kind of pulls up and then he you know he hits up a high frequency and, and blows out, blows every window, window out of every car pops open his door and just and puts a massive dent inside the uh the bug to make sure that he was the only car that could be bought that was worth buying at the time right so i thought that was i thought that was kind of funny i used to own a 77 camaro it wasn't yellow though but it was just as crappy looking now uh <laughs> now i don't remember this but according to some facts supposedly in that camaro there is an air freshener hanging mm -hmm. out the rearview mirror with a picture of a bee on it yep there sure is you you the best way best scene you can see that is when you see and it says b Och. Och. yep you can see that the best best scene you can see that in is where you have uh sam picking up michaela and trying to tra trying to take her home you can you'll just see it dangling there i see that's something i did not know i'm gonna have to watch that movie all over again just to see just that. to look at just to look at megan fox no b hanging from the rearview mirror uh, right <laughs> megan fox will just be a, a, a bonus uh, fair enough <laughs> with her now, in the film, they say that the Autobot name stands for Autonomous Robotic Organism. Yeah, makes sense. That seems like a... Updated. Yeah, it seems like a, a logical explanation as to how they came up with Autobot. Decepticon, on the other hand, kind of just, it just seems self-explanatory. Now, for the movie, only two of the voices from the, from the anime series came and did voices for either Autobots or Decepticons. Now, there was a total of three in Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah. Now, the two that were asked in the first movie was obviously Peter Cullen, Optimus, and Charles Adler. And Cullen did his Optimus Prime, but Adler voiced Silverbolt and uh, Starscream in the film. Yeah. Well, you know, they probably could have had the guy that did Starscream, but he's dead. He died back right. in the 90s. And and I know they asked, that, I know Michael Bay brought the guy in who originally did Megatron. Yeah, Frank Walker. As a, as a test, but for the way they had Megatron designed in the movie, just his voice, that high-pitched voice of his, just didn't fit with the look and feel they were going for in the movie. Now, he was brought back in Revenge of the Fallen. Now, he did do voices in Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah, I'm pretty as, sure he uh, did uh, Soundwave. Uh, he did Soundwave, Devastator, and Redman. Reedman. Reedman. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Reedman. Yeah. So he, so he did, you know, did get some time in the movies, but just not as his, yeah. what he's probably more known, known for. Yeah. Now. And it's not like he can't, he's not a busy guy, and he, he has plenty of opportunity to right. do other voices, because Frank Walker's got so many iconic voices other than Megatron. He, he's most likely, most well-known, I'm, I'm sure, to most people as the voice of, uh, of um, Fred from Scooby-Doo. I see that. I did not know yeah does he still do fred i don't know if he still does fred but he does but he also did uh he was also the voice of ray stands from the original ghostbusters cartoon back in the 80s and <laughs> i mean the man does a bazillion voices so it, i'm sure he wasn't really hurting for work and i'm sure it really wasn't bothering him that much now to, they did bring in hugo weaving now he's got that deep voice yeah he's skinny to look at you wouldn't think he'd have a voice but then again you know you don't you don't look at james Earl jones and think you're gonna get darth vader out of there either but that's true so i mean a lot of these guys just obviously to do voice talent pretty damn good i mean i wish i could get set around to be paid just just to hear people listen to me talk and do well one of these days if you do this correctly maybe somebody will pay to listen to you talk yeah maybe. <laughs> 
The only, the only cartoon character I do well is uh, is uh, is uh, Bullwinkle. Now this movie actually did fairly well as far as it was numbers wise. Oh, and numbers wise, uh, you know, all the movies have done well numbers wise in terms of people going to see it. Nobody. It did. was it was I think it was the uh, ah the first Transformer holds the record for the biggest opening week for a non sequel with 152.5 million dollars. So and the 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 which beat out the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire which pulled in 151.6 million. Yeah. Uh, What's 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 a million dollars? I don't know. I've never seen a million dollars. So uh. so <laughs> so for a non non sequel for opening weekend, that's probably just more U.S. take. Than, than yeah, I'm sure take. that is the the U.S. worldwide take. take. I'm sure it's a lot, lot higher now. Revenge of the Fallen was done two years later. Now out of the first three movies, the first one, Revenge of the Fallen and Dark of the Moon. I'd almost have to say Revenge of the Fallen is probably it's a close it's it's up there with me as far as one of my favorites of the of the three that are out there. Really, it's, it's close. I mean, the first one's good. I like the first one. I don't know. Maybe there's something about the second one I just like. Huh. Something about the second one I like. But I when I see it on air on TV, I'm constantly watching it. I've watched it more than I have the first one. Okay. I, I don't know why. Well, I can't I, that tell is kind of I find that kind of interesting because of all the turmoil that was involved with that movie in terms of the issues with getting the plot and getting the story written because that came out, that movie was being done in the middle of the writer's strike. And so they were kind of writing the movie on the fly when they put that together. But I, I, I've always liked Revenge of the Fallen. And of course, I, I don't know why. I've, I don't have a problem with it. I, it's got some it's got some good nods to, you know, some of the original stuff. You know, the, oh, you're actually, you're, you know, they kill off, uh, quote, they lead to the thing they're killing off Optimus again, which when yeah, I first and they, saw it, and, you, know, they, you bastards. They, but, uh, you know, and that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but then I thought, I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to, to bring back the Matrix of Leadership, and which they did. Did yeah. right, uh, yeah. So and 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 a lot of the same people are back for for the second one. So yeah, which is it, always it, a good it, thing. And they got Michael Bay to come back, which my guess is uh, Paramount probably back to truckload of money up to him. I'm sure they probably signed him to a three movie deal. Yeah would be my guess. Now, the third one, Dark of the... Well, actually, before we go to Dark of the Moon, the second one, second one had some interesting things because of two people that were... Well, one who actually got a voice role in the movie and one who was originally cast for it, but was... Uh, the Paramount changed their minds. Okay. What now, now the, the, they originally cast the guy, a guy by the name of James Arnold to do the voice of the Fallen. Right. Now, anyone who's watches a lot of animated series will know he does the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the... Uh, Cartoon Network Star Wars The Clone Wars series that takes place between episodes two and three mm -hmm. of the Star Wars franchise, uh, which I think that guy sounds a lot like uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, when well, he that does. would be a good reason to go ahead and cast him. Cast him. But anyway, he was originally cast as as the Fallen, but that guy can put his voice pretty deep. And you know, and if you watch and if you watch Revenge of the Fallen, it has a it has a Star Wars kind of feel to it, especially with the the the, the dialogue between the Fallen and Megatron. Did you never think of Megatron having anybody anybody as his master, and then all of a sudden? And you see him kind of kneeling and talking to him. It's almost like watching the Fallen being the Emperor and Megatron being Darth Vader. Right. Now, the voice that... Now, I recognized the guy's voice immediately and know who he was without having to see the credits when I saw the movie. They gave the voice role to The Fallen by the guy named Tony Todd. Uh -huh. Now, anyone who doesn't know who I'm talking about, if you're a Star Trek geek like I am, you probably know. But Tony Todd is a very tall, six foot five African-American male. It's a big dude. Very big dude. He was in the movie The Rock with uh, Sean Connery and- Oh yeah, uh, Nick Cage? Nick Cage. He was in that movie as a, one of the uh, dominions of the the, ba the leader of the bad guy, which I can't think of his name right now, the guy who played the main bad guy. But anyway, he, uh, Tony Todd has 
played Ed somebody. Ed somebody. I can't think of his name. Ed. Yeah, I, I can't think of who yeah. you're talking about right now. I, I can see him in my 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 head, but I can't tell you who his name is. Anyway, he's 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 done. He's worked on Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. So in, in the Star Trek world, now there's one episode in Deep Space Nine where uh, he plays an adult, Jake Sisko, which is the son of uh, the commander on Deep Space Nine. Hmm. And that episode is really actually very good. It's kind of a more I don't know what I want to say. It's uh, one of the more serious type of roles done, the storylines done on Star Trek. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's it's a really it's a very good episode, and 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 that guy is just. His voice is just recognizable beyond belief. Hmm. I mean, he's got a deep voice. Uh, uh, pretty much what he, the voice you hear in The Fallen on, on, on Revenge of the Fallen is pretty much his natural voice. Oh. I mean, he's just got that deep of a voice. That's cool. I mean, if you listen to him, he played Kern's brother on Next Generation on, on, on uh, a two-part episode of uh, Redemption. Right. And uh, yeah, that guy's pretty much got that kind of a voice. Wish I could walk around with that deep of a voice. I mean, yeah. you have all the lovely ladies. Ladies, <laughs> yeah. All very white and stuff, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you know it. Mm -hmm. Now, I did like what they did with the beginning of Dark of the Moon. Okay. And I liked the beginning because they tied in the 1969 Apollo moon 11 moon, moon, landing, moon landing and doing that. Now, I've always been a fan of filmmakers taking something that we know actually happened in history. Mm -hmm. You know what really happened. Mm -hmm. But they put their take and spin on it so, to make it believable to where you think, wow, maybe we're not a really alone. But you know, you're, you know, okay, well, it's just that whole twist of why do they really go there? Yeah, why do they really go there? But I like the fact that they, they, they're able to intertwine the 1969 moon landing as, as which I kind of thought was really cool. That's why, you know, Buzz and Buzz Aldrin, uh, Neil Armstrong, Neil Armstrong went to the moon was because they, uh, they found something, to, they, spotted, to some, they yeah. spotted something that they thought landed on the moon, but they weren't sure. And that's, now, now let me ask you this: Did you did you think that this that was more impressive than the so-called video of uh, the Mars lander that they had from the first movie, where they it's your first glimpse of Starscream? Now that was that was definitely uh, you know pretty sure it was Starscream because you see that in the teaser trailer. Yeah, it, for the original film, you know that's pretty much what they showed you on the teaser trailer was the Mars, something of the Mars rover roaming around, then all of a sudden you see the shadow, and then you boom, see a, you see a, a quick glimpse of a robot, a, a robot and, and shadow behind with the sun behind it, and then it goes dark, and then basically something of we're not alone, or, yeah. or, or something like that, and that's pretty much the only thing they gave you on the teaser trailer. Yeah. So, and then you're watching that movie, and you're thinking, okay, where does that come in? Uh -huh. But it's not the guy that, it's the guy that, uh, uh, oh man, I can't think. The guy comes in, going, I think you really need to see this to the oh, uh, yeah, Secretary the, of Defense or, or whoever, yeah, John the, Voight's character says, yeah. you really should see this. And he opens up a briefcase and shows him, Sh shows shows him, him this 10 second video clip of, yeah. of that scene. And it's like, ah, okay, now it makes perfect sense. Now it makes perfect sense. So yeah, I, I, I've always find those type of, when they can work quote history into movies and make it believable. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of grounds the movie a little bit to me a little bit in reality of like maybe maybe not brings a little bit of believability. It's kind of cool of like ooh, wish I could have come up with something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know what your opinion is on that. No, I, I think that uh, I think that in the grand scheme of things that that's why I asked you that is because I I didn't necessarily I believed I was more able to believe the Mars landing one than more the moon. Th than the moon thing. Yeah. Now now darker than the moon. I didn't have a problem with darker than the moon. I thought that it was I thought it was an ingenious way to get the movie going. Yeah, to to jump start the plot of the movie. I thought it was, you know, quite ingenious and and was played out pretty well, you know, but I I, I my, thought the, mo my, the Mars whole, lander thing I think worked better for me. My whole 
issue with Dark of the Moon was the last half hour or so got a little bit um, stale. It got a little bit okay. Come on, uh -huh. let's hurry up. You know, you're killing me here. Yeah. It, to me, they kind of drug it out just because. I wasn't could. a big. I wasn't a big fan of the whole concept of of Sentinel uh, Prime being ultimately being this big traitor. I wasn't a big fan of that. Now that does have another. Dark of the Moon does have another Star Trek legendary voice. Yes, and it's not his first voice. time in a robot, and it's not his first time, time as a robot as a, voice. No. Yeah, you are talking about Mr. Mr. Spock himself, Leonard Nimoy. Right. And uh, initially, if you go back to the original '86 movie, and you'll find a cavalcade of. of uh, old Hollywood stars mm -hmm. in that movie, in the original 86 movie. But in the original 86 movie, Megatron is badly damaged and is rebuilt by Unicron. And he his personality, his likeness has changed and he is reborn as a character named Galvatron. And in that movie, Galvatron is voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Now, uh, according to what I read, the uh, originally they had uh, Nimoy's character in Dark of the Moon. They actually had his character, Sentinel Prime, um, colored yellow. Hmm. According to what I read, that they originally had him when they were doing, putting the movie together CG-wise, well. colored, colored him, had him yellow. But since fire trucks were, were always standard red, they went back and recolored all of his scene huh. at, at a pretty good cost to the movie. I bet so, because that's a, you know, I mean, it's not like you can just go on Microsoft Paint, point and click they and can be done change it red. Yeah, there's a lot of shading well, and stuff. Well, considering there's like, what, they said, what, 10,000 some odd, quote, supposedly working parts just on Optimus Prime alone? Yeah. For the for this for the CG, yeah. Oh, well, I imagine it was yeah ridiculous, and then and, the and concept of you know having to paint every little thing that was originally yellow in his in his robot mode and in his in his vehicle mode. Now yeah, I would imagine that would have been now dark sickeningly a sickeningly huge task to be like, oh, man, we just did this in yellow. You mean I got to go back and redo, redo this it in again. red? Yeah, make up your mind. Make up your mind. Yeah. Uh, now, in the scene in which Sentinel Prime kills Ironhide in Dark of the Moon, yeah, yeah. now it says he shoots him. It, he shoots him, and results Ironhide turns to rust and disintegrate. Yeah. Now yeah. they say that's identical way to to the way Galvatron kills Starscream in the animated Transformers movie. No. That is not how that happens. Um, he doesn't. Well, Starscream doesn't turn to rust. He 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 be he's vaporized. So in a certain sense, he's vaporized. Yes, no, but he, not necessarily rust. Yeah. Now there is a there is an episode that I I much prefer that is that I kind of smirked at because it reminded me of that, and that's an episode called Cosmic Rust. <laughs> where they, um, they're, all the Transformers are infected with a, a kind of a rust-like spore that causes them all to rust, and then they're forced to coat themselves in a special uh, alloy that makes them, makes them impervious to that spore. But it's, uh, when I seen that scene, I was like, eh, it's cosmic rust. So I kind of I laughed at it. But yeah, unfortunately, I mean, it's kind of sad because I didn't, it's kind of similar to how actually Ironhide bi uh, you know, bites it in the, in the original movie. He takes a shot from, from Megatron to the chest and then that was kind of it. Takes one right to the, to the old thumper, wherever that is on, a, on an Autobot. Now, um, going back to Revenge of the Fallen, okay. the, the, the two writers of that movie decided on Fallen as the primary antagonist because they felt like he'd be the most, uh, I want to say, uh, best villain, so to speak, as okay. a, uh, as, as would make a really good master for Megatron because in the original Transformer comic, uh, the Fallen was considered like an apocalyptic god-like robot. I'm not... I didn't really follow the comics. Hell, I didn't, I didn't know there was comics. I knew about the comics. I, I, 
I never really got a, got around to reading the comics. But I guess that kind of makes sense because he was, he was kind of the uh, I don't know when I when I first seen the movie before I before I you know before he made this switch, I had him more pegged as you know, and this is because I wasn't familiar with the the comics obviously, but I had him more pegged as what they they kind of had as a, a character named Alpha Trion from the original series, mm-hmm. which was actually Optimus Prime's creator. Optimus Prime actually was a character named uh, um, Orion Pax, and he's he's uh, badly damaged by Megatron at the beginning of the war, and uh, Alpha Trion rebuilds him into Optimus Prime. And I kind of had this feeling because of the mentorness and, and kind of the, the way that uh, the face was shaped, and you go back and you look at pictures of what Alpha Trion looked like, it looked like they were trying to recreate Alpha Trion, so I was, I was a little irked by that because I was like, are they trying to do Alpha Trion, or are they trying to do something else? Because this guy looks like this character in kind of a sense, with kind of the old old facial kind of expressions. Mm-hmm. Fallen has a beard and, and all this and the other, and or Sentinel, Sentinel Prime has a beard and kind of this and the other. So I, I, I really thought that they were going one way, and then I was mildly shocked when they mm-hmm. did, when they now, did you had know, him flipped. Did you know that they originally considered Nimoy for the voice of the of the fallen in the no. second one? Had no idea. Had no idea. But he was actually considered to do the voice, but I, I don't know why. Maybe he didn't want to, or, or Michael Bade changed his mind. But anyway, uh, obviously he ended up doing the one in in uh, uh, Dark of the Moon, but he was originally considered. Hmm. I guess maybe I could see it, uh, but I don't know. I I think I think the way they did it. When I saw Dark of the Moon, not mm. knowing, you know, never had seen the original animated movie. Yeah. And and then I was not expecting the twist where basically you know Nimoy's character in Dark of the Moon turns out to basically be evil, evil, yeah. the, one of the bad guys. Or a traitor. And I'm sitting there going, you can't do that. That's that's Mr. Spock. That's just wrong. <laughs> you can't do it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> now. Now, supposedly there is a line that Sentinel Prime says, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, kind of a, a uh, wink and a nod to, to a star, Spock. To Spock, Spock yeah. yeah. From, uh, was it Rathacon? Yeah, Rathacon is probably where you'd find that one more. Yeah, yeah. that line. I'm sure it's... I'm sure he said yes. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's been done maybe more than just Rathacon, but... That's, I don't, that's the I, one that comes to mind. mind. Right, I don't remember. No, I think the, the, the Zachary Quinto's version of Spock, I think, says that in the upcoming... In, into darkness movie but yeah that's that's a rumor right now that won't know if it's true or not until until it comes see, out until it actually comes out and i see the movie now supposedly after dark of the moon michael bay publicly said no more yeah I, said, I remember that he said there wasn't going to be any more he said he was not there was going to be any more transformer movies he was not going to do it yeah but obviously something changed liar, his mind liar, because now fire michael bay is scheduled to be directing the next Transformers 4 release next year. Yeah, I, I have a couple of ideas what I would like to see, but I don't I don't know where he's wanting to go with it. Now, from what I read online, the deal was with Paramount. Supposedly, they signed him to another three-movie deal to do Transformers, uh-huh. and in that deal, Paramount agreed to finance two other movies he'd been wanting to do. Makes sense. Supposedly. And one of those movies, I think, comes out later this year. I can't remember the name of the movie right offhand, but I'm... Uh, it's one with Mark, Mark Wahlberg coming oh. out pretty soon, sometime later this year. And uh, while doing that movie with Mark Wahlberg, I guess he offers he offered Mark Wahlberg the leading new male role, role in yeah, Transformers cause, Four. Because yeah, because uh, Sam won't be back for the fourth. Right one. now, 
couple weeks ago, a, uh, a film office up in Michigan uh, boo-booed and released, quote, a, uh, what do I want to say, a, uh, uh, an, Press insi- an insight to what Transformers 4 is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Now, it says, quote, as humanity picks up the pieces following the conclusion of Transformers Dark of the Moon, Autobots and Decepticons have all but vanished from the face of the planet. However, a group of powerful, ingenious businessmen and scientists attempt to learn from the past Transformer incursions and push the boundaries of technology beyond what they can control, all while an agent, powerful transformer menace sets Earth in its crosshairs. Gee, imagine that, Earth in danger. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, basically what this sets up for is a, is a battle with Unicron. And it says the epic, epic adventure and battle between good and evil, freedom and enslavement ensues. Yeah. Uh, now, Michael Bay has also said that the story will make a very natural transition from the first three to th- these upcoming three, and that we'll have pretty much a whole new cast of Transformers, and that it'll f- be a completely different feel than the first three. Right. Now, it, I would imagine it, somewhere in there, he's probably going to at least have Optimus, maybe. or You, you do need to have two. a handoff. You do need to have a handoff. You're, you're, you're probably going to have at least one or two on both sides you're familiar with of hearing involved in it, yeah. be my guess. Well, I mean, you almost would have to, at least in the first Yeah, I'm not real sure who uh, who they would probably get, but I would think that the ideal one would be to get either ha- to do something with Optimus Prime, um, whether he's, you know, in leaving the planet and entrusting it to the new new batch or whatever or he's or he's disappeared or disappeared or, or deactivated or whatever have you however you want to look at it for some strange reason he can't be there now i mean there's a couple other things i'd i'd like to see but i guess if, in the grand scheme of things maybe some of it's already been touched upon it's like with the original movie the original bay movie you see this big cube floating out in space and that's kind of their the source of all their life force if you will mm-hmm. and in in the original series there was a, a master computer that was kind of like that, and all it, in the in the original cartoon, all it was was a was a ball that sat at the center of Cybertron, and its name was Vector Sigma. Is that kind of their, is, is, is that the movie's version of the Allspark? That, well, that's the that's the cartoon's version of the Allspark, yeah, because yeah. it's the computer that gave them all gave them all life, and they can't you can't have a working transformer without the personality given to them from Vector Sigma. Supposedly, they 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 managed to bend those rules quite quite frequently as the cartoon went on. But generally speaking, the original Transformers were all forced to to deal with. Now, were you were you okay with the way they did Megatron in the movies? As far as he kind of stayed in his original flying that he was on Cybertron, they didn't really change him into oh, yeah. from on Earth. Or obviously, they stayed away from the gun thing. Yeah, well, he he had an alt mode for a tank, um, in in other uh, continuities. So I mean, it's. The concept of somebody transforming into a gun is kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing anyway. If you think about it, because not only are you transforming in 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 uh, configuration as to what your body actually looks like, but for the most part, you're going to have to shrink down in size. Right. And you know, and that was always kind of the funny thing is like you see Megatron; he's the sizes of everybody of everybody else, and all of a sudden he transforms and he's, you know, he's the size of a human, and. and Although, albeit a, a handgun the size of a human, which is a pretty big gun, but right. you know, still the concept of spatial and, and sizal relations seem to be like, how does that work? Right. Of course, people always, you know, you can always say that with uh, well, in cartoons, Soundwave too, because Soundwave, the original Soundwave, transformed into a into a small cassette recorder. Well, you know that you always see somebody wandering around with, oh, hey, look, you left your tape deck here. Oh, okay, I'll just carry this, and all of a sudden he transforms and he's twenty foot tall. You're like. How the hell did that happen? But as a kid, 
bet you there's no kid out there that sits there and puts two and two together and goes, aha. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. not, it's not until you hit adulthood and you look back at it 20 That's years true. later. You're like, wait, go, and you're like, this doesn't work for me. Why is wh this happening? Why did I like this for? <laughs> yeah. Why is this? Who do, what? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, they, they had a, uh, they have one last season of, of on the hub. They've had a new new cartoon on the hub. Uh, Transformers uh, Prime. Prime. Yeah. And they've had other Transformers cartoons throughout the decade. Now, supposedly that Transformers Prime supposedly is supposedly picks up from what I read. And I don't know how true this is. Supposedly somewhere after either after Dark of the Moon or in between Revenge and Dark of the Moon. I think it's I think it's supposed to be after Dark of the Moon. But I think it's pretty much after Dark of the Moon yeah. because I have the few episodes I've actually watched yeah. is out of morbid curiosity. You don't see anything of Megatron at all. No. And you, you see don't. Optimus here and there and some of the you know Autobots we're used to and Decepticons, yeah. but Well that and you see a lot of new you, ones too. Yeah, you can't necessarily see uh see them in the in the the basic configuration you'd expect to see from the movies because of well, you cartoons. Know, yeah. Yeah. But like I mean like Bumblebee in there is looks like kinda of looks like a Camaro, but it's not a Camaro. It's just kind of a sports sporty looking muscle car. Mm-hmm. You know, so they kinda they kind of, you know they they like, yes we know, but we're not gonna make them look like that. So they all look different in there. But they got one more season as I understand it and it's a uh it's a like a like a, a Beast Wars kind of thing. Not where they're all trans not where they're all Robots, but they're got like beast hunters. I think it's what it's called, and they're, they're hunting after a couple of spe spe specific Predacon uh, Transformer Decepticons. But it's supposed to be the last, as I understand, it, it's supposed to be the last season of that specific cartoon. My guess is they don't want it interfering with uh, the, the movie. Up upcoming movies or any sort of. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I totally get that. I would imagine that that's probably I mean, that's pretty much what Disney's done with uh, Clone Wars animated series. They uh, all of a sudden Clone Wars animated series aired their season finale, and then all of a sudden Disney announces the Clone Wars are done. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. Supposedly the uh, the episodes they've already got done because they work so far ahead that they've got done that were supposed to be for a season six will eventually be released on a DVD, but, uh, and that will finish out the Clone Wars series. But right. Disney Disney's excuse was because they want to focus everything on their movie, which I guess makes, makes sense. sense. And, and you don't want- You have to think about that. And, the, I think, and, and I think it boils down to what you see, even with TV shows that go on for a while, is that the longer the show goes, goes on the more expensive it becomes to produce you know you have to pay people more you know it's probably contractual obligated this show goes more than x amount of episodes we'll pay you we have to pay you a, you know right. more per per episode so i would imagine that there's probably some some monetary issues in, involved in a lot of this as to why some of that doesn't get get taken care of or doesn't continue the way you'd like to see it any 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 final thoughts or, or opinions on Transformers? Don't be so hard on the Bay movies. I think you know the, for what they are, they're they're a uh, they're all right. Yeah, they could have been better. They but think about this. They could have been a heck of a lot worse. It, it, it's a two-hour escape. I mean, yeah. What do you I mean, expecting? you turn off your brain, you know, and and enjoy some life a little bit. You know, that's that's what I that's how I took it. I didn't take it as okay. This is going to be some sort of cinematic masterpiece. No, I'm I'm here to not think yeah. for the next two hours. I think I think of, of of the Transformer movies. If he's going to have a hard time having one actually fail, it, it's going to be with the fourth one, depending on how well it's received and and yeah. what kind of storyline they come up. Yeah. with. Now I heard something about him and, and Megan Fox finally they, patching they, it up. They made up, but yeah. don't expect her to be showing up in any of the new movies. So yeah. because of storyline and the uh, way they're moving yeah. with the next set of trilogy, that's fine. No, I hope uh, hope to continue to see more more of the. Uh, 
more of the experience, see a little more than meets the eye, if you will. Thanks for joining me today. Not a problem. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on here and yap a little bit with you and talk about some, some random 80s trivial pop culture. That no one probably ever really cares about anymore. Oh, I don't think so. Well, there's, there's someone who cares about it. There's 80s. at least two people, although we're talking about it, but there's at least two people, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some closet. Transformers closet. out there. Come out of the closet, man. It's time to come out of the closet. All right. For Reggie'sTake.com podcast number one. I'm Steve the Specialist. And I'm Reggie. Thanks for tuning in. And we will be back. Thanks. Thanks for listening.